Mate, you're allowed two sad songs if you want, man. Yeah, it's... sad songs say so much, eh? Oh, oh, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Oopsie, did it again. <laughs> Music! Hello, hello, uh, fellow listeners and fellow S listeners and uh, fellow podcast dudes. Welcome to our podcast, Mo- Music, Movies and Madness. Uh, <laughs> you got it right. High <laughs> 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 <I> five. <laughs> the first time in about how, 11 months. <laughs> Don't knock it. Right, listen never listened to our show before it's probably a good thing and i wouldn't bother now but uh no it's it's great it's nice to be here david chan is one on our panel this evening how are you david pretty good mate pretty good really good this one end end of a millennium isn't it end of a millennium that's right martin joins us on the panel how are you martin i'm good yeah good to be here for another week um yeah, again, looking forward to tonight. There were some good pickings out there for '99. Plenty out there, man. You're looking, you're looking fantastic, mate. You're looking sharp. Oh, thank you very much. Not so bad. Welcome. Gotcha, <laughs> mate. Joining, join, joining us from Tawa, we have our very own Glenn Thurston on the panel. Good day, Glenn. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Ian. You're looking super sharp with the moustache this evening, Glenn. Thank you very much. Loving it. He's been he's been a busy boy. TK Tower. TK uh, Tower's been out. Sterling effort. Sterling effort on the weekend. Yep. At the, yeah. At the Armageddon mm-hmm. Fest, um, Armageddon Expo. Yep. Two days yep. in the Stormtrooper suit, raising money for Canteen. Nice. Which is a charity here in New Zealand for um, kids with uh, teenagers with cancer and their them and their families. So yeah, it was good to put the Stormtrooper Star Wars Stormtrooper suit on and. Can, can I ask can a I just say, question about that? I've got a mm. question I want to ask. Because like, I'm sure the listeners will, will be interested in this. Like, how do you clean it? Like, It's an interesting question. Um, do, you have, most... do you wear like a body stocking under it or, or what? Like, how does it work? Yeah, yeah you wear basically um, like sort of underarm, a sort of black. Um, Nylon. Yeah, tights and stuff. Um, and... Um, I always and, knew and then you, and then you put the armor over the top. So for those that don't know, Glenn is uh, Glenn is actually so you're a, a fish officially a stormtrooper. I am indeed TK two eight nine one six, and I'm part of the five hundred first legion, um, which is a world, which is a worldwide um, costuming group um, that does all the. Uh, bad guy costumes and they have and, to be moved the movie authentic or close to it um to be approved so they're not not just pop down to your local costume shop and get something out these are you, you guys real you deal. guys are the real deal yeah, that's right you're the real deal you're, you're a real deal. respected i mean I think no so. one messes with you guys no 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 it's we a proper to... proper schnizzle isn't it it's a proper yeah we, we let's not play. diverse too much but no. let's uh it's yeah, a bit we, of the madness talking... isn't it yeah a bit of the madness to start off with but let's hone mm. it back boys All we'll right. get back into that but you're a, you're a, a of... tough you're a tough taskmaster ian but i yeah, respect only... it i respect it thank you i'm short but i'm a miserable bastard but listen with we're... a smile on your face <laughs> with a smile on... if any of our listeners are interested 
in the stormtroopers and how it works and what Glenn's involved with, bang it on Facebook. And he, I'm sure you'll answer loads of questions, right, man? Quite happily? Oh, absolutely. Yep, no problem at all. He's a nice guy. Right, so 1996. Now, boys, I no, have... No, 99. It's 1999. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, the... I hate this show. Seriously. No. Sorry, no one li- sorry, you're right. No one likes a corrector. I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> Listen, so 1999 is the uh, year we that I chose actually for us to do. So um, let's bring us in with a little bit of this, shall we? Here goes a rapid, quick-fire question. That quick takes fire. me back. Yeah, that takes yeah. you back. 1999, probably. No, no, only two years ago, um, we went oh. in uh, at um, Armageddon, Palmerston North. A bunch of stormtroopers all got up on one of those big stages and did that dance to see how well we went. And there's video as well, and it's pretty tragic and nice. pretty awesome. Oh, it's who so doesn't funny. like it? The crowd, <laughs> lo- the crowd loved it, eh? Is there a link? Yeah, I can find it. Link it up there, man, so we can yeah, have man, a little. It's, it's we have a little funny. chuckle. Yeah, nice. we're pretty. Uh, it's basically a bunch of awkward dudes and costumes. Um, interesting fact: I had my hair cut to Britney Spears in China once because wow. it was the only friggin' thing. It was the only friggin' thing that they they saw that they saw this white guy walk in me and figured we don't have we don't know how to communicate with him. I know. Let's chuck on a Britney DVD. <laughs> They put on a Britney DVD, and so I'm sitting there watching Britney. Wow! While I get my hair cut, and wow, it's just yeah. Maybe Random. they wanted you. Maybe they wanted you to go back there one more time, just for another haircut. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe there was a subliminal message in there, David. Well, do you do that, Ian? I mean, you're a barber. Yes. Do you do that? Yeah, you like, I play. You? Yeah, yeah. You totally do. You do Britney. I've, Anyone? Yeah. Panto, Banto, baby, come back. One more well, Chinese, time. Chinese yeah. person walks in and he wants a haircut. You chuck on a bit of Canto pop, don't you? I'll do a or, little bit of that. K- K- K-pop or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, yeah, a bit of, uh, yeah, I do that stuff, man. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut to it right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. Thanks, man. Right, love it. Uh, can we get on with the show now? Come on. <laughs> well, you took us down this way. Yeah, yeah. It's not so, our fault. We were really well, mad. I, so I, You're just I as ha- mad as anyone else here. I have had such a hectic week. I've not had time to go over and learn what was going on in 1999. So, so no it was idea. a pretty – not really. It was a blur, but it was a pretty big year, actually, I, I, you know, musically and, and movie-wise. There, mm. was, there was a lot of stuff going on. Was – my question to the panel was: There a direction? More, I'm more interested in the music. But was there a musical direction going on in, at the end of the? Oh, there was all that awful new metal stuff coming in, wasn't it? Horrible, mm. horrible. It was an awful time, actually. It was, well, fair. it was. It was. Either, it was a time of extremes. <laughs> you were either you were either mm. extremely good, like Santana. And put out that shit album with yeah, that shit right. song, 
What's the or, name? John Mayer in that one as well. God, he sucks. Or or you you were you were really good like Wilco and you got pretty much unnoticed because mm. you weren't flashy. You didn't have the the big sexy stage appeal. You know that some of these like the Britneys and the Spice Girls and shit like that was going on. You know. Yeah. But credit to Wil- Wilco. Yeah. They hung in there. Yeah, they did. And produced an m- amazing album a few years later in. And, and you know, Yankee, Yankee master, yeah, masterpiece. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, Prince set up like multiple generations of his family with that one song that year, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> kitchen, because you couldn't escape it, it was everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. That and pop, That's right? <laughs> Disco I was... It was, yeah, you know, that thought everyone was getting, oh, Millennium, blah 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 blah, Y2K. Well, hey, mm. the world's going to end and all of that. Well, at least the ATMs wonder- aren't going to work, you know, and I won't be able to get, you won't be able to use the surf surfing at Tesco or whatever, you know. It was, yeah, it was a the bit. Dial up, the dial-up's not going to work. That's, that's it. it. Yeah. That's, um, Chaos will ensue. Wonder- Apes will I take wonder- over the world. Yeah. yeah. Dogs and I cats wonder- living in harmony. Yeah. It was all going on. I wonder if musically there was... I wonder if the music world was aware that the millennium was right there and, you know, if things had to go in a certain direction. Did they have to go in that direction? <laughs> <sighs> oh, yeah. so but Davis, take... right, there, there is a lot of good stuff, so we should probably talk about some of that too. Yeah. Mm. I, I think that's a good idea. Right. I think, what, are um, do- what are we doing first? Well, can we get the movies out of the way? Sure. sure. sure why not? <laughs> Sounds positive. Got That's a nice positive take. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Actually, I, I think the movies is, is a really is a really good year for there movies. There were so many good films. Oh, my so God. It was good. so hard to pick. Well, go first, Glenn. Go on. Do it. You're on. All right. Okay. I've picked... Um, a movie by Sofia Coppola. Um, her dad was um, is Francis Ford Coppola um, from such fame as The Godfather. Um, so you know she comes from a, a sort of Hollywood royalty when it sort of comes to um, that sort of thing. And she adapted a book um, to make a film and by the same name called The Virgin Suicides. Um, yeah, not. Um, not what you would call light watching however it probably has one of the best ever soundtracks i've ever ever come across from its score um Mm. and that alone makes it worthy of watching and buying the soundtrack it's that freaking good um she managed to get the band ear um to which is a french electronic duo to put the soundtrack together um and they created this sort of super sounds of the 70s type styles um sort of electronica mixed with sort of those sort of vintage sort of um vintage sort of synths and stuff like that um yeah brilliant um the film itself um yeah it's basically follows the uh, it's narrated by uh, the lads in a neighborhood um and follows the lives of five um, attractive sisters in a middle, upper class sort of place. 
Um, and the younger sister tries to make a suicide attempt and the parents who are quite religious zealots go into overdrive and try and protect them from everything to the point where the girls get completely withdrawn from school, home, everything and get into sort of depressive, isolated behaviour. And eventually they, they, they make a, a pact to take themselves out. Um, and they do. And the boys in the neighbourhood are like, what, what, what just happened? Um, and the parents just bolt. And all the other parents don't know what to do. So they just try and just pretend like nothing ever happened. So it's narrated by the boys in the street going, what happened? We love these girls. And they just completely disappeared. So it's quite dark, obviously, the way that I've yeah, a little bit, a little bit. A little bit dark. <laughs> You've um, got to have those movies. You've got to have those movies. Oh, absolutely. So it's definitely more mm -hmm. of an indie type film. Um, mm -hmm. um, it had Kirsten Dunst in it. Dunst, Dunst I think is um, how you say her name. Um, and certainly it would just, uh, I think Kathleen Turner was also involved in it as well. So really good cast, well, great script. Um, yeah, just brew away. So, but what I might do is actually play you a track um, from um, uh, the Kathleen album. Turner Overdrive. No, not Kathleen Turner Overdrive. Oh, oh I was looking yeah. forward to it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely not. Um, so yeah, I, I really do rate the film. Um, it's not something that I've rewatched a lot, but I, the soundtrack um, is what I would call a, a unique. Oh, I think it's one of the best ones um, I've ever heard. This is the song from the film. Um, it's called Playground Love, and that's the themes and the songs that have come through um, lots of times throughout it in various different forms. Martin, being a good film score person, will pick that up. Anyway, that's um, a snippet of that. Um, nice. Doesn't yeah, it? So it is very close, isn't it? So there's a very Floydian sort of thing there, which I quite do, I quite like. Oh, that's yeah. good. Uh, thank you, Colleen. Virgin Suicides. What's the movie? Yep. Yep. And moving, let's, let's carry on with Martin. Yeah. 
Yeah. Pick um, it up, man. So, the movie I've chosen, um, I remember going to see it at the movies, and um, I think it was probably the first time I'd seen a movie and I'd been so confused by it that, uh, you know, you kind of walk out with, like, brain ache. Um, <laughs> and um, okay. it was one of those movies that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's utterly, utterly entertaining. <laughs> and you really enjoy it very much like um one that i reviewed a little while ago everywhere you know everyone everywhere all at once which doesn't make a whole lot of sense but it, to watch it's just visually and uh conceptually brilliant um so the movie i've chosen um is um being john malkovich <laughs> which um it's hard to kind of <laughs> tie it down to like a genre, really. I'm guessing it's a comedy. Well, it is. It's very funny. Um, yeah, a, a fantasy comedy drama? I don't know. I'd kind of call it that anyway. Um, stars on John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, and Catherine Keener, and, um, and a certain Mr. John Malkovich as well. Um, so... To kind of like summarize it, I think the best thing I can do is actually read you the synopsis that, that Wikipedia put up <laughs> for it. And I'll stop like halfway through because it goes on and on and on. But I just wanted to read you a bit of this because um, let's see if um, you can make any sense of this. So Craig Schwartz is an unemployed, unemployed puppeteer in New York City in a forlorn marriage with his pet-obsessed wife, Lottie. He finds work as a file clerk for the eccentric Dr. Lester in the Merton Flammer building on a floor between the 7th and the 8th, where the ceiling is very low. He develops an attraction to co-worker Maxine Lund, who does not return his affections. While filing, Craig discovers a small hidden door. He crawls through it into a tunnel and finds himself in the mind of actor John Malkovich. After about 15 minutes, Craig is ejected, landing on the side of the New Jersey Turnpike, he tells Maxine about the door and she realises that she can sell the experience for profit. Lottie enters the portal and becomes obsessed, saying that the experience awakens her transgender identity. She and Craig visit Dr. Lester's home, where Lottie finds a room filled with Malkovich memorabilia. Maxine arranges a date with Malkovich while he is inhabited by Lottie, who has become smitten with Maxine. She reciprocates only when Lottie is inside Malkovich Malkovich, uh, Maxine manipulates him into having sex with her while Lottie is in his mind. Craig, forsaken by both women, locks Lottie in a cage and forces her to set up another tryst with Maxine. He inhabits Malkovich instead and discovers that his puppeteering skills allow him some control over him. Disturbed by his loss of control, Malkovich confides in, confides in his friend Charlie Sheen and becomes suspicious of Maxine. He follows her to the office where she and Craig change charge customers to use the portal. Entering it, Malkovich finds himself in a world where everyone looks like him and only says, Malkovich. After he is ejected, he demands that Craig closes the portal, but Craig refuses. Lottie is freed by her pet chimpanzee and wants Maxine that Craig is inhabiting Malkovich, but Malkovich is more attracted to Craig's ability to control him. So there you go. There's like a brief synopsis of what's going on. It's it a crazy, so, crazy. If you, if you understand so, that. So <laughs> it was so, so original and so trippy. Um, it's so good. Yeah. And full credit to, to John Malkovich for being game to doing it. Apparently when he first read the script, he was partly fascinated and partly completely horrified. 
<laughs> I was like, uh, and basically kind of thought, well, you know, if I do this uh, and yeah. it flops, like, well, it's got my fucking name like in the title, and I'm in the credits. <laughs> like, I'm screwed. <laughs> there are, and there successful, are... everyone's going to say, oh, it's that Malkovich guy. <laughs> it's, it's like, damned either way. Didn't really and there's some pissed. really great performances in it. Yeah, there is, yeah. Um, I've got to say, I think it's my favourite performance by Cameron Diaz in that because um, she's completely almost unrecognisable in it as well. She wears like a, a black curly or brown curly wig and she plays like this really dowdy character. She's like, you know, just in like cardigans and stuff. She doesn't, <laughs> not at all glamorous in any kind of respect. Did you rewatch it or have you just remembered it from when you first kind of saw it? No, I mean, I've seen it a few times because it's, it's one of those movies that like, if it's on, like, yeah. I'm just like, no, I've just got to watch it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's, so it's, it's aged well. Yeah, I would say so. It's fairly yeah. ageless, to be honest. It doesn't really, it, there's no way, it, no. you can't really date it. It doesn't kind of fall within like a specific right. time frame. Um, I think it, that's part it would of the joy a, of it, really. Um, it would be a hit. It would be even a hit today. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Mm. It, because yeah. of its originality, it's that good. Yeah. It reminds me of a thing that, uh, yeah, if you understand what's going on in that, then you are the sort of person that understands or would understand why they make pizzas round, put them in a square box and cut them into triangles, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> True. I mean, but I have, to, I have seen it. I need to go back and rewatch it. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it is a, what I will say with it is there's so many ideas in it and so many twists and turns to yeah. that there's no way you can get bored watching it. You know? I do remember being confused. Yeah. When I first watched it, I was <laughs> thinking, what is going on? Here? Yeah. yeah. But as I say, yeah. like, yeah, performance wise, uh, um, you know, um, Malkovich himself is amazing in it. Like, the way he sends himself up is just, you know, brilliant. Brilliant. Like, full, full credit to him. Um, and, that, and that's called what? Um, yeah. Uh, being. Um, being John Malkovich. Name? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Thanks, Martin. David, have you got a movie for us, bro? Yeah, I got a movie. I got a movie. Um, what did you dig up? So I went with a comedy um, starring an actor that you wouldn't normally associate with comedy, but um, certainly this is a mob movie um, and it stars Robert De Niro and Billy Crystal. <laughs> interesting, interesting combo. Um, analyze this. Came out in 1999. Uh, any of you all seen it? Yep. Yes. Yeah. It's. It was. I remember seeing this when it came out in the theater. And um, there's. It's one of those films that's got some really um, quite iconic scenes that you just uh, you hear people coming out of the theater um, reciting. Um, and and the one that comes to mind is the one where you're going you. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, no, you're, you're good. No, you're good. And we're all coming out of the theater. Right. And it's, it's brilliant, right? Um, so this is a film about a mafia boss uh, who witnesses or sees, has a, a tragic event happen to his best buddy. And he's also trying to go for a capo of the family. And so um, obviously needs to prove himself. But... 
can't carry out um can't carry out uh the normal sort of executions and stuff that the, the mob are known for and seeks help from a shrink who was of course billy crystal <laughs> uh, i mean when you just hear that so mob boss and actually i because i'm a big sopranos fan and it the sopranos came out only might have been about this time actually um and tony soprano it opens with tony soprano in his shrink's office um so there's quite a lot of uh there's quite a parallel there there's a cool really cool scene and analyze this called the pillow scene just hit the pillow i'm going to play a couple of minutes of this so just setting this up here what we've got is we've got um we've got uh de niro who's getting some uh counseling and tips from from his shrink on how to deal with uh, another mob boss on the phone. And um, and he, what De Niro is trying to do, he's trying to play it really calm and cool. And he's trying to be, he's trying to be quite new age and uh, touchy feely. Um, and this is how it goes. Yo. Yeah, let me speak to Primo. Hold on. Paul Vitti's on the phone, Primo. Vitti? Vitti. Hello. Yeah, yeah, hello. Yeah, hello. Yeah. Yeah, who it, is this? It's me. It's me who? Me, me, me. Me, 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 you know me, me. Yeah, how's it going? Not good, not good. Whoever did that thing to you know who, that good friend of mine, mm -hmm. they're trying to do that to me now, and I'm having a lot of feelings about that, and I'm, and I'm trying to get some, some... Closure. Closure on that, you know? What kind of feelings? I'm I'm very angry. I'm feeling very angry about that. I'm I'm really uh, I'm 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 enraged. I'm feeling very very mad about that. Yeah. So why are you telling me? Why am I telling you? Like you don't know nothing about it, huh? Eh? You don't know nothing. About. What? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. I'm just trying to tell you, tell you about my feelings and that uh, I'm angry. I'm angry and, and and that anger is a black wish. A blocked wish. And I'm looking forward to seeing you next week at that thing and then I can unblock that angered wish and then hopefully hopefully you make one more move on me you motherfucker I'll fucking cut your fucking balls off I'll shove them up your fucking ass I'll fucking bury you I'll put fucking ice picks in your eyes I'll chuck your fucking eyeballs I'll send them to your fucking family so they can eat it for dessert you understand me hey Paul what fuck you you motherfucker you get a dictionary and find out what this closure is. If that's what he's going to hit us with, then I want to know what it is. Yeah. How was that? It was going great until the cutting off of the balls and shoving it up his <laughs> ass. <clears throat> you, know, you know what I do when I'm mad, Paul? I hit a pillow. Just hit the pillow. See how you feel. There's your fucking pillow. Feel better? Hey, man. Yeah, I do. There you go. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so funny how he's trying to be so... And that pretty much summarizes the movie, right? Because he's constantly trying to... He's trying to he's trying to manage his feelings because the shrink's telling him, you know, you've got you've to approach this differently. And he's trying his best to be calm, collected, and cool, and really new age. But it doesn't go so well. <laughs> and it's that's a great scene. Um so yeah, analyze this. Uh, it did really well, as you can imagine. 176 million at the box office worldwide. Um, 
had a sequel, analyzed that, which I never saw. Um, either of you, any of you guys seen that sequel? I think I have. I can't remember what it was about, but I'm pretty sure I watched it both. Yeah. yeah. Billy Crystal yeah. was big, right? I mean, 99, he was still there, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, there's a really cool clip on YouTube where Billy Crystal inducts, oh, no, he, he awards De Niro a Lifetime Achievement Award in 2003. And, um, and there's a lot of um, callback to analyze this in it. So mm-hmm. um, he's, he's in character, let's just say, old Billy Crystal. And De Niro is sitting there with Scorsese next to him, which is quite cool because those guys got quite a bit of history. Um, and he inducts him. And, yeah, well, no, he, he, he pays that tribute to him. Um, very cool mm-hmm. clip. So, yeah, that was my pick. Um, top flick, I reckon, one of the funniest movies of the year. I mean, there were so many good movies with, you know, obviously headlined by the likes of The Matrix and that. But this one I thought was up there uh, in terms of um, originality. Um, you know, it was uh, actually interesting on that. I, I, I saw a comparison of movies in this era versus what we have now. and uh there's a lot of remakes now or sequels you know like um the marvels and that sort of thing versus back then films like this you know quite a bit of originality to it just the way they and mob movies of course de niro is very very well known for his roles and all the mob flicks of the 70s and that um onwards so um quite uh Quite appropriate that he should play a mob boss. Changed the direction really of his career though, because like nearly every movie he makes now seems to be a comedy. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was. Could have been a turning point. You're right. Yeah. 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 I always quite liked. um, I'm thinking of a. um, uh, Can't think of the actor's name now. I think it might be the guy who's Superman. Um. Christopher Reeves? No, the guy with the big dimple in his chin. Not Christopher Reeves. uh, Uh, Henry Cavell. Might be, yeah. Does he do a few gangstery movies? Have I seen him in a gangster movie? He's he's that Witcher guy, eh? Yeah. Oh, the other movie I was going to choose was Blair Witch Project. Oh, that was creepy. Yeah. Oh, so I saw that in the cinema and that that freaked me out. But that was, Mm. I thought that was pretty, another original, quite original sort of plot line. Mm. Quite clearly was, done, where the kids find the kids, you know, people find the, the tapes in the woods. Yeah, that was clever. That was, and that was massive, eh? Hey? Yeah, well, that, that was sort so of much money. <laughs> handheld cam. That was that handy cam sort of point of view mm, yeah. that gave you a bit of a headache as you're watching it, but it was also scary as hell. I remember everyone was Blair Witch crazy. It was yeah. like, wow, Blair Witch. So we, we new did, things out. We were spoiled. It's, we had some great movies. It's what it didn't show was what was so cool about mm. that film, eh? It's the mm. the suspense and the creepiness. Yes. What you, what you didn't see. Yeah, that's but right. Yeah, you're right, David. We were quite spoiled this time. I mean, I know he's gone on to make some other crap films, but certainly I, I did like um, The Sixth Sense. Oh, so totally. Pretty, yeah, yeah that, was that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. Great movie. But Ian, mate, back to you. Back to you, brother. What did yeah. you do, man? I did uh, actually sat here with uh, my good friend JT, who's who's been chilling out with me for a while, and we watched. We decided to go for the Phantom Menace, and yeah, <laughs> I know you guys are complete Star Wars geeks. For all our listeners, I'm surprised I'm... that we picked it, considering that you know we've, we've already done it. a Star Wars <laughs> thing already. Yeah, but hey, yeah. there was two. There was two of us, and we decided yeah. that was a mutual thing. So, um. 
Yeah, and and anyway, I was doing it for our listeners, not yous. You were doing yeah. ten minutes. I bet, I bet, what what next? Kate Bush is your album. Well, <laughs> now you know. Or Beatles? Did the Beatles have anything out there? Yeah. Um, so we watched the uh, Phantom Menace, and oh, and and it's the first time I've seen it for a while, so it's it was quite interesting rewatching it because you know um, I think some of those ones are. It's the part. It's the part one. I, I don't want to geek out too much because you guys will pick pick me apart. But no, we won't. Um, Promise we wouldn't. Absolutely not. So I would. Um, we're we're in we're in the year nineteen ninety nine. So many cool movies, and we decided. I was sitting with a friend. Would watch the Phantom Menace, and what would I say about this movie? Um, I haven't written a lot. Um, it's quite brief, but. Uh, I think if you're if you're listening to the show, you're not a Star Wars fan, uh, which I would find a little bit strange. But if you're not into that sort of stuff, I think Phantom Menace. I try to analyze it and review it from a just a you know someone who watches movies kind of point of view, and I think it's got plenty of action in it. It's, it's quite an action filled movie. Um, it introduces you to Anakin, who was Darth Vader, is Darth Vader, and he was such a lovely lad, wasn't he? He was a lovely little lad, and it all he went was, tits yeah. up, and it all went tits up. And um, who would have guessed? But I mean, it's got a fantastic pod race in there, which is fantastic. You know, just really cool special effects going on there. Uh, there's some cool characters in it as well. Uh, without, like I say, without geeking out too much, uh, I think it's a pretty good family flick. If you want to watch a family movie, it's a good family flick. You don't have to know too much about the characters. Mm, mm. There's a there's a couple of bad guys. There's a couple of good guys. and some high speed stuff. Um, so yeah, I think if you're looking for a a movie to sit down with the kids and that, I would say Phantom Menace is, is a nice little movie for that. Um, what I did notice throughout the movie was the um, the lack of music. I don't know if that's a thing, but most of Star Wars music has like quite, you know, it's got one of the most iconic and... songs in it, isn't it? The um, jewel of the what's it called? Jewel, jewel of the Fates. Oh, of the that's fates. one. That's one bit. But yeah. take the take the, the are they called pods that they're racing around? What are they, what are they racing? Yeah, there's there is no music during that pod no race music. most. Yeah, no, because they wanted to carefully bring out the noise of the different engines and right. they all got their own thing. So it was really to amp up the sound effects yeah, elements. Effects so it was it. yeah. And then the music comes in and near the end of the race. Correct. It's, really, it's quite yeah. clever. Yeah, now I noticed that. That's because I'm clever. And mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I did notice this throughout the movie. There, there are snippets. We're now we're geeking out now. But if you if you take your trad Star Wars, there's a lot of school stuff going on all the way through it. Right? You have the themes, mm, mm. all those things. So it's a little bit different in that respect, which which I found quite interesting. Um, it also confirmed for me um, that I really dislike Ewan McGregor as an actor. But that's just that's just my personal opinion. Mm. Um, but uh, who's who's the other guy that is Liam the, Neeson? Liam, Liam Neeson. Neeson. He's pretty cool, man. He does a little cool role. 
And uh, yeah, so get your chops around that. If you want a nice family movie, go and see The Phantom Menace. Nothing too heavy. It's long. It's a long movie. And you know what? I think your description is actually spot on. Um, it wasn't, and it took me a long time to work that out because mm. I was original, you know, kid of the original trilogy, and I was hoping for more of that sort of thing, and it wasn't. It was different, and I was like, what the hell? Um, but you know what? It wasn't designed for me. It was designed exactly for those kids at that time, you know what? Those kids are all in their 20s and 30s now, and they freaking love those as much yeah. as we loved those ones. Yeah. And I think that's where Disney missed a trick. They mm-hmm. needed to actually create a new generation. Correct. Um, a new, yeah, because what did they think at the start? Fandom Menace, every, every um, generation needs its own legends. And they didn't do that with the new series. And I think, yeah, I, I understand what he was up to now. Mm. Execution, maybe not what I would have wanted, but yeah, I think, I think that I think when I you're think, a Star Wars fan and you go into it, like I'm a Star Wars fan. Mm, I'm not a Star mm. Wars geek. I'm a Star Wars fan. But when yeah, when you watch it, you have the expectation that you're going to get what you kind of know. And yeah, it's different. It's a family movie, right? Yeah, you're yeah. right. I think it's I think it's a really good description that you gave. Uh, and it did get like. Ragged on a lot, and a lot of people kind of slammed it, etc. But it has got some real amazing set pieces in it, really. No, totally. Like that pod race is incredible. The the jewel at the end is fantastic. You yeah. know, the character is like Darth Maul with the double ended lightsaber and all of that. It's amazing. Yeah, man. Yeah. So one Ray, one Ray, really Ray, Ray Park is awesome. He's such a oh, nice guy. Absolutely. And you get the other thing I noticed throughout the movie is you have. You know, there's so many different scene settings throughout that movie. You're under the water, you're on the, you're in space, you're on the land, you're in the desert. You know, like some of the older Star Wars is a pretty sort of set, you know, which, so it's, yeah, I think if you look at it <clears throat> from a different perspective, it's a fun movie, right? Mm. And what are those kids growing up to be the kids that are now like crazy on the Mandalorian series and the, the Andor <coughs> Or is that another yeah. generation, well, maybe? Well, no, I don't think. I, again, I think it's, it's Disney still trapped in the nostalgia thing. They haven't created a new generation for, like, mm. David's kids or my kids or anything like that, uh, which yeah. I think is really sad. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it's, it's certainly not, and not. yeah, there's a very toxic group of Star Wars fans out there that sort of, unfortunately, have a loud voice. Um, yeah, probably well, not overly impressed by my previous behaviour. I think I was... A bit toxic towards those um, prequels back in the day, um, but when in when in actual fact, maybe they were just trying to reach out to the more uh, yeah, family were... orientated. Um, you don't need to know about the first one, two, and three, no. or well, four, five, and six. You don't. You could just watch it as a family movie, right? Yeah, it wasn't designed for me. It was designed to bring the new generation on, and and I think. Now I get it, but it took a long Kudos time to, to get that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, but there's no, there's no like Disney's just doing the scattergun thing, right? So they're doing, they bring out those the, the trilogy. They bring out things like Rogue One, which is very dark. They bring mm-hmm. out Solo. It's kind of just a. It doesn't. There's just. There's almost no sense to it. I'm so afraid <laughs> to talk about this because I'm surrounded by geeks, 
And now you have just heard it for yourself. So moving on, I am desperate to hear your album selections tonight, guys. Mm-hmm, okay. And Martin, you're looking real cool in your black shirt, near your keyboards. I can't wait to hear what you've picked. Hit it, my man. <laughs> Don't say Star Wars for fuck's sakes. Yes, I've chosen the Phantom Minister. No, I haven't. It's, uh, I've chosen an album by a band that I've kind of been in my mind threatening to kind of do for many of the years that we've done previously. And I'm really glad that this is the one that's kind of like, it's it's all kind of converged together for me to be able to do this. Um, so I've chosen a, a Eurythmics album, um, uh, which is called Peace. And it was the last album that they released and their the eighth studio album. Um, and... Um, yeah, it's an album that um, I don't know why, but it resonates with me. I find it an album that I can I can go back to and not haven't heard for a long time, and it kind of you know it's like it's like putting on the uh, the comfy sweater again. You know, it it brings back a lot of memories for me. Um, yeah, it, it was. Um, that yeah, was their eighth eighth studio album. Eighth studio album, and the, and the wow, last really? date. Yeah, they haven't released anything since. Um, yeah. And that was actually 10 years between the previous album, which was, yeah, 89, We Two Are One, and then this one. Um, they received a bit of flack for it, actually, from the music press at the time. Um, but then, you know, this this kind of sums up why the music press, uh, you know, really do talk out of the ass. Q Magazine said that um, it, it, the album was basically a quiet acknowledgement that their solo careers had failed. Oh no! Annie Lennox's two solo albums up to that point have both got to number one in the UK and have both been certified multi-platinum in both the UK and the US. So I wouldn't really call that a failure. But you know, the music press, yeah, you know, vultures, hound dogs, bloody hound dogs. Absolutely, yeah. Um, So it's quite a reflective album. It kind of, it it was basically kind of. the concept behind it was really to talk about concerns with global conflict and um, and finding a way to, to get to kind of world peace, really. Um, um, it was, um, yeah, when it, upon its release, um, it was promoted with a concert on the on um, Rainbow Warrior 2, the Greenpeace uh, vessel. So they yeah. actually did a gig on, on, the, on the boat. Um, and... Um, all of the profits from the tour that they did um, f- supporting the album, all of the profits went to Amnesty International and Greenpeace. Um, respect, man. Respect. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in terms of songs, yeah. Two very, very different songs I've got for you on this one. Um, first one um, is kind of a ballad. And I think it's the closest, really, that like Eurythmics probably got to doing a Bond thing. Um, <laughs> So it's called um, I Saved the World Today, and it was the lead single from the album as well. And it sounds a bit like this. Finds you like a bomb that's been left ticking 
guy. So, yeah, um, I don't know. There's something about Annie Lennox's voice that, for me, I, I just think she's got the best voice in pop. Absolutely. Out there. Absolutely. Phenomenal. Um, and, um, you know, they recently got inducted to the, um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, again, it's the first time they've been on stage together, I think, 20, nearly 20 years. Why did it take so long? Seriously. And this is the thing, right? Because what I'm noticing, there is a pattern to this, is they get together for like an event and suddenly it's like, oh, you know what? We should probably do an album. And they do an album and then they don't see each other again for another 10 years. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. We were in a band, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. What was and, it called? Yeah. And the interesting <laughs> thing is they never split up. They just kind no. of took a break. You know? they, were, they were actually a couple at one stage, weren't they? They were, yeah, yeah. yeah and... Yeah. Um, you know, back then, you know, Dave Stewart was in a pretty bad state. I mean, he was addi- had serious addictions and stuff. And he often yeah. says that, like, Annie saved his life. Really did. Yeah, yeah. You know, he ended up in hospital at one point and she sat there with him through yeah. through the whole the whole time. Um, so, yeah, they, they are obviously very, very close. Um, and the second song that I've chosen, um, it wasn't a single. Um, it should have been. Um, it's it's more of a kind of a rocky ballad one. Um, it's called Power to the Meek. Um, and for me, yeah, this is my favourite track on the album. Uh, and as I say, a bit of a rocker, this one. So here we go. It's got some really, as I say, it's quite a reflective album and there's not too many rockers on there, but um, the ballads are beautiful. There's some really lovely, lovely lyrics on there. Um, and just, you know, I've got to say like, the, you know, Dave Stewart, I, I think, well, the, it's credited as being produced by both of them. Um, I don't know, like, I don't really know like Annie's production work, but I mean, Dave's an amazing producer. Um, he's produced for many, many other artists as well. Um, it's just I went on a road trip. I went on a road trip recently with a friend from the UK and he decided to whack on the best of Eurythmics. They must have done a, a, a best of and on Spotify in the car on the road trip. And they, you know, man, for me, they're just like a powerhouse of pop. They are just bang at the top, man. Yeah. Complimentary, eh? The two of them. Yeah. Just they- one on one is three sort of thing. They really well, yeah. Like like Martin's saying, you know, just the writing, the production, the songs, the catchiness. They are just they had their shit together, you know. Totally, yeah. It was mm. the right place, right time for them too. I think, um, mm. yeah. And the album did really well. Um, and yeah, it, it does seem like a real shame and a missed opportunity that it's been so long in between albums but um word on the street is that they 
are following this uh, this uh, rock and roll hall of fame that they are getting back together, um, going out on tour. Farewell tour. Um, Farewell tour. tour maybe? Yeah. Um, <laughs> get this. Apparently, have been offered a hundred million dollars to tour. Hundred million dollars. Wow. Jesus. Um, and it's um, hard to turn that down. It's hard to turn that down. You'd be crazy too. <laughs> <laughs> I was, um... Even if you hated each other, even if you absolutely hated each other. Well, they, yeah. The, the, rock and tours, the, the Rock and Tours have Dave Stewart on them not long ago, and mm. uh, he's obviously got still a lot of um, time, well, affection for Annie. Um, and what did he talk? He talked about the Here Comes the Rain Again lyric and how that was basically he's around her apartment or something one day and, and and she was down in the dumps and she sort of looked out and the rain was coming and she said, here comes the rain again. And he just said, stop right there. Stop right there. Write it down. And they built the song around that. It was just that that one line. And it's iconic, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, a lot of this stuff is, yeah, totally iconic. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for that, Martin. That's a great review. Yeah, good album. What's it called, the album? Peace. Peace by the Eurythmics. Right, mm. we're peace, man. We'll check that one out. Let's go over now to Glenn Thurston. I think you're ready to pop. So <laughs> pop for us, man. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I haven't chosen a pop album at all. Um, I've chosen an alternative, become a, a bit of an alternative classic. Um, so mm-hmm. I've chosen um, – oh, wrong one – I've chosen um, the Flaming Lips um, album called The Soft Bulletin. Um, and The Soft Bulletin was their ninth album um, from the freaks from Oklahoma, who really had no real place in bothering anybody apart from a very selective crew of people that were listening to them. Um, how they managed to even get a, a, a record contract in itself is kind of amazing story. But um, out of nowhere, they dropped um, the soft bulletin and it became probably one of the high, most highly regarded albums of the entire 90s. In fact, some people even put it up there with um, raving about it from the pet sounds of the 90s. So that's kind of like massive, massive praise. Mm-hmm. Um, how it came about was um, they took a completely different direction um, of moved away from a lot of the sort of guitar noise that they'd normally been doing and put in a lot more electronic beats, synthesizers, and sort of layered up those sounds um, to make something um, quite quite extraordinary. Um, also, they'd had a few family deaths as well, and they'd always done lots of songs about death. There's plenty of funny songs about death on their albums, but these ones are really quite personal about people that you know passing away and just ordinary stories around putting the washing away and reflecting oh that person's not going to be here anymore um um so but also a lot of fun stuff in there as well it's not all doom and gloom um so yeah they i'm gonna pick the first song i'm picking is actually a, a sad one and i'll pick a happy one afterwards this one is one of the singles and it's called waiting for superman mate you're allowed two sad songs if you want man yeah That's... sad songs say so much hey oh Oh, stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Oops, he did it again. (laughs) 
Oh, such a distinctive voice, eh? Yeah, Beautiful. absolutely. He, he's certainly not one of what you would say um, a classic singer or anything like that. Um, no, but he, he, is... he writes the songs for his voice. That just sounds so much like Yoshimi. That well, was that was the... Oh, the I was just going to say, I've just listened to that this week. Yeah. Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. Yes. What an album. Yeah. And I've never it. heard of the Flaming Lips until that yeah. album. And so you know really what? digging it. You yeah. know what? Um, so Soft Bulletin and th- that uh, probably the, uh, I would say, the peak of their careers. Um, and they've now gone in some ways back off the ditch, into the ditch again. This was their sort of mainstream sort oh, of right. stuff. And now they've gone wacky and alternative and oh. um, just, just having fun with their music and just not taking it all too seriously. Um, so I'd love to go and see them one day. That'd be quite a trip, mm. I think. But mm. yeah. Uh, the next song I'm going to play is called Race for the Prize, and this was the other single. Um, and it's about two scientists trying to compete with each other to save the um, save the planet. Yeah, that's um, Race for the Prize from the Soft Bulletin. Um, yeah, truly wonderful record. Um, I just keep coming back to it time and time again. Never get sick of listening to it. Um, and if you've had some tough times in your life, um, there's a whole bunch of quite meaningful sort of words in there around the death of loved ones and, you know, those sort of moments around how you feel in that situation. Um yeah, no, but also uplifting stuff as well. So definitely check it out if you've never heard that record before. Um, it's, um, dare I say, it probably is their masterpiece, actually. 
and this is 1999, right? Mm. So these guys are, you know, when you're thinking, yeah, when you're thinking of stuff like Cher and Britney, and you know, this is this kind of different sort of stuff that they're banging out there. Oh, totally. Um, Yeah, you know, for the time, remember? Yeah, yeah, they had no place being there because Mm. (laughs) that previously their only hit had been. this sort of one-off song from about 93 called She Don't Use Jelly, um, which is bonkers funny. Um, but, yeah. What does it mean? Well, whatever it wants, <laughs> every, whatever you want it to mean. It's a very quirky sort of Sid Barrett No, you explain song. it. I can't. That's explain the thing. it for our I, listeners. I, I, can't, I can't explain it. I think she uses tangerine instead. But anyway, um, yeah, so how they managed to get and pull themselves together to create something like this was extraordinary. And I think everybody in the music industry in the States was floored that these guys came out with these things. But anyway, so yes, David's right. There's a whole bunch of really cool stuff that is just sort of bubbling away underneath. Yeah. Very good. So that was the album called what? The Soft Bulletin by the Flaming Lips. By the Flaming Lips. There you go. So go check that one out. That's a nice little review there. Thanks, Glenn. And uh, I'm going to jump in before you, Dave, because I want you to take the show out for us. So I've going to nick your place here, if that's all right, man. That's all right. You all right with that? Thanks, man. So I've gone for uh, something a little bit different, and um, I really love this album. I think it's a cracking album. And... The album is called The Mountain. And what I want to do is start the review with uh, my first song choice. So, because it's awesome. So what I want you to do is uh, grab your cowboy hat, put on your chewing tobacco, slap your thigh. Yeah! Here we go. Carrie, darling, Carrie. Carrie, when I cried. If I can't marry Carrie Brown, believe I'd rather die. Believe I'd rather die, boys. Believe I'd rather die. First time I saw Carrie Brown, she was seeing the fair. Voice like spring rain falling down, sunlight in her hair. Never seen her face before, so I stole around. Said her daddy owns a grocery store, she lives in Bristol Town. Yeah! What do you think to that? Yeah, it's good. It's good, it's good, it's good. <laughs> the, the album. Yeah. Any ideas? Steve Earl. Steve Earl. Well done, Mr. Thurston. Steve yep. Earl and the Del McCory band. Well, no, he's, he's, he's a clever man. He is a clever man, yes. Except for that awful Copperhead Road song. Oh, yeah. Ah, would you but, believe it's the same guy after listening yes, to I know. that? I know, yeah. Uh, I just can't stand that song. But apart from that, yeah, no, horrendous. awesome, eh? Yeah. And I first heard this album. The album's called The Mountain. The guy's called Steve Earl and the McCory band. I first heard the album uh, in my folks' car, and we were driving to the Isle of Skye, and uh, they were playing this, and I was in the back of the car, and I was like, it was quiet, it was on quiet, you know, they're chatting, and I was like, 
man, my foot is going. My foot is, I want to get myself a pair of dungarees and just get in that moment. So, you know, I then bought the album and realized the, the genius of Steve Earle. It's fantastic. The album's absolutely bang on. It's brilliant. It's, uh, it's described as Earl's first whole bluegrass album. So this is the point where he sort of departs from the the sort of previous styles he's known for, that kind of Americana kind mm. of stuff, uh, a bit whingy and that. And, yeah, it's the actual album he wrote as a tribute to a guy called Bill Munro, who was the founder of Bluegrass. So he's getting right back to his roots, and you can hear it in his voice. I think he's singing more naturally. It's quite nasally, that mm. real deep southern-sounding thing which i'm not a massive fan of but it fits really well with the it's complemented really well with the del mccory band they i think in their own right those guys are pretty amazing and he's a clever dude sort of drafts them in to do the job and uh the result is a, a beautiful album uh, on the album there's over 12 artists that are guested on it um that, that play on the album. There's a couple of names that you might know. Uh, Jerry Douglas. I don't know if you've ever heard of these guys. Jerry Douglas, who's he's a, an amazing... I, I describe him as the stock cube of bluegrass resonator guitar. So he's like all the other resonator guitars squashed mm -hmm. up into that little cube that you just have to dilute. He's amazing. So, and Jerry Douglas does amazing little albums on his own, you know. Uh, there's a lady called Iris Dement, who's amazing, good singer. Emmy Lou Harris, amazing, good singer. So he's got all these names that come on and jump on, and it's, it's quite cool. Um, I'd like to leave you with uh, the second song, which I've chosen. And I've gone for a song which is slightly slower. The song's quite an upbeat album. So if you like these sort of bluegrassy, upbeaty sort of stuff, mm. and you like a, a foot-tapping album, this is a great one to go and get. Um, this is a slower song. It features uh, Iris Dement on it, and I thought I'd put this one on because, you know, she might be listening, and I want to plug it for you, Iris, um, because I, I appreciate how awesome you are. So Steve sings the first bit of the song, and then Iris comes in with this little bit of the song. And two, and one, two.
yeah, that's just a lovely sort of country ballad. You know, it's it's a neat little album. It's fun. You could pop it on and have a coffee, sit outside on the deck and a piece of toast, and it's good, man. Yeah. So there you go. That's The Mountain by Steve Earle and the Del McCory Band. Have you always listened to them? Have they been around on your playlist since you're a young fella or back then back in the day or oh, i've always kind of i've always followed uh steve earl i never really heard of the del mccory band until mm. i got that album uh i so do 99, like blue... in 99 you were you listening to them no it would have been 2004 or five i reckon okay. a little bit later yeah, yeah, yeah um but i do like a bit of bluegrass yeah i do jerry douglas who i mentioned earlier uh jerry douglas Play some tasty lap steel resonator stuff. If you like bluegrassy stuff, check out some of his stuff, man. Really nice. Um, good quality. It's the musicianship, you know, the blend of instruments, tin whistles, fiddles, banjos. Mm. I like that every now and then. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Nice. We've got a couple minutes it's, left. It's so not too, It's not too dissimilar to the blues, is it? There's a lot of similarity, yeah, yeah. to it. Um, just a different crew doing it. Man, it's fast though. Some of that bluegrass, those players are epic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, crazy place. Yeah, I mean, it's a yeah. You've, I, th I'm, I'm a little bit picky with it, and I've got to say, and I'm also a little bit picky with country music, for the same reason. It can be a bit twangy for me and a bit too deep sometimes and i'm like oh i just don't quite get it but uh this is yeah this is definitely a bit more of a easy listening vanilla down the line kind of album mm. you know anyone can palette that album great album so we i think we're on part three now of the show 1999 hope you're enjoying it listeners hope you're learning some stuff and uh David Chan is going to surprise us now with his album choice of the year. What do you got, Dave? I've gone for something a bit different, quite a bit different to what you just had on. Um, so this album uh, has 11 songs on it. Um, five were released as singles. All five reached the top 20, with most of them being in the top 10. And a couple of them, one and two. Um, it's a pop rock band with the female lead singer. They had enormous success um, in 99 and 2000. In fact, their uh, one of their singles um, won them a Single of the Year award at the National Music Awards. Any guesses? Yeah, it would have been a cranberries. Negative. Oh, not, not the, the cranberries. cranberries. Okay, I was going down that route. I no, tell you, a, if I tell you it was a local group, Kiwi born and bred. I want to put you out of your misery. Stella.
It still rocks. It still rocks. Never heard that good. before. I'm no, quite like <laughs> it's a that's a massive radio hit. Never um, heard it either. No. In fact, they're a radio band. I mean, this is like I said, five singles came off. You never heard that one before either. No. Oh wow. No. Okay. Okay. Well, they were both in the UK, weren't you? Then. Yeah. I don't oh, think right. it did, yeah. yeah, it didn't didn't there make much oomph outside okay. of here, did it? Yeah. No. No, it didn't. Aussie. Aussie. It, um, it did quite well, but. Oh, okay. All right. So cool. All right. So something you haven't heard. Um, so this the album's called Mix. M-I-X. Uh, like I said, um, five singles out of 11 tracks. Did phenomenally. It did super well. Um, uh, but uh, they didn't really follow up. Um, incredibly talented, the Runger family, all three sisters, uh, two, three sisters or two sisters and a brother. I can't remember. They're all um, singer songwriters. Uh, she's obviously, she's got a, a jewelry, quite a, an established jewelry brand, Bo Runger. You could Google it. It's um pretty cool. She works out of um I think she lives in Melbourne now. Um, traitor, so, traitor. I know, I Go know. over there, bit traitor. Boo is. Um. So this was yeah. the soundtrack for me for '99. I bought this album back then and loved it to death. In fact, so much I hadn't listened to it for so long that when I played it, I was unable to tell which songs. Well, other than Violent, I couldn't really tell which songs were the singles. Because so many of them, I just played and played and played and played. And it was like, they were all familiar to me. Um, like the back of my hand. This next track I'm going to put on um, is sort of at the other end of the spectrum. It's uh, slower, but um, my favorite. And this is my theme for 99. I listened to this song a heck of a lot. Um, I'm not sure why, but I just love the first verse. I love the way the way this sort of the ascending bass in the in the verse um sort of climbs um you'll probably know it glenn ian and martin not sure um it's called undone here it is similar to a sister right so she's about four years older than Vic Vic's our age um yeah um but incredibly talented like I said families from Christchurch um uh Stella were formed in Auckland uh actually they go way back right so when did they actually get together it was 
Oh, geez. Um, doesn't actually say when they got together. Yeah, 90, 92. Yeah, 92. So way before. So that's seven years I've been going before they put this album out. But yeah, so this is mixed by Stella. And if you haven't listened to it, fellas, definitely recommend it. There's some killer tracks on there. And uh, yeah, it's a good album all around. It went five times platinum here in New Zealand. So did really, really well. Um, but like I said, they didn't really follow it up. Um, Magic Line uh, came out in 2001, um, I think, and then something like Strangers, and then a best of in 2010. But yeah, like I said, in about 20, 2009, she turned, um, she became known for her fashion accessories and jewelry line, and has probably done far better as um, sort of a fashion icon than as a, a rock star. But you know, that's not taking anything away from Bo and Stella. Check so, it out. Um, I saw Bigrunger do a gig a couple of years ago at the Newtown Festival. Oh, yes, um, yes. She did a great set. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What I really enjoyed about it was she was obviously like actually having a really good time up there. She just, she just seemed like she was having a heck of a lot of fun while she was doing it. And um, yeah, it came across. Um, yeah, really good performer. Mm. Yeah. She's really big in um, Ireland and parts of the northern hemisphere back runga she far bigger up in ireland i think than than even down here um they love her up there so but yeah bo runga never really yeah got the voice but did the band thing instead of the solo thing so um yeah that was me back to you ian yeah thanks david it must be hard following you know going in that whole sibling thing right with this they're all high achievers and they're all bloody good must be hard, you know? Yeah, I think of um, the Finn brothers, right, where Neil mm. was just a teenager um, when Tim was over in the UK making it big with split ends and brings little mm. brother along and then little brother starts to shine. A few years later, he sort of eclipses big brother. That must be tough for both of them, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's interesting, isn't it? I've, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed Reviewing 1999 with you guys tonight. Thank you. So that leaves us uh, for the signing off of the evening. Thank you very much. I'll leave you with a bit of 1999.
bastard. That was not the 1999 I was thinking. I. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that bit. Oh. The original auto tune. That's fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> 